0: Welcome back, everyone, to another incredible episode of Market Impact Insights. When I say networking, what comes to mind? Now, I'm not talking about data networks. I'm talking about human networks, those relationships that we develop on a business level, on a personal level. It's so pervasive uh, in our society today. And just some statistics that amplify how engaged people are in this whole idea around building networks. If we look at LinkedIn, which of course is more of a business focus today, there are roughly 660 million LinkedIn users and 310 million monthly active users. That means LinkedIn is gaining a new member every two seconds. And it's more than just the networking and the relationships and the communication It's now these networks are having an influence on buying decisions. And in fact, when making purchase decisions, 50% of business to business buyers say that they use LinkedIn. So that's, that's huge. If we shift over to the social networks, of course, everybody knows about Facebook. Facebook has 2.74 billion monthly active users and it's, So pervasive, 1.3 billion people using Facebook for messaging, 1.8 billion people using Facebook groups, and get this, 48.5% of business-to-business decision makers are using Facebook in their research. So there's no denying that people are connecting into these various networks and trying to build uh, trusted relationships, quality relationships. But my guest today, Megan Burke Routabush, says that we need to start thinking about networking in a little bit of a different way. And there's a better way to approach that. Megan is the founder of KeepWith, a networking platform with an app expected in the spring of 2022. Megan has a fascinating background. She is a regulatory compliance expert. She worked in the financial services industry, But one of her superpowers is understanding the importance of deliberately choosing one's key advisors and building and maintaining strong, authentic, and reciprocal relationships. Megan is a published author with articles on networking topics in publications including Fast Company, Thrive, TLNT, and Law360.com. And just a few interesting facts about Megan she has taught poetry writing classes in juvenile detention centers. She's interviewed many notable individuals as a reporter and editor of the Children's Express News Service while growing up. So I think we're, we're talking about before the age of 10. So I'd love to get some more perspective from Megan around that. In college, she produced a multimedia documentary about the impact of cleft lip and palate surgery on patients in China for Operation Smile. And in law school, get this. She coached an ice hockey team comprised of young people with special needs. So Megan uh, believes in people, cares about people. That human factor is really strong. So I'm excited to get some perspective from Megan on this whole networking opportunity, but also her perspective as an entrepreneur and the learning that she's taken and what she can share to others that are building their businesses. So with all of that as backdrop, Megan, welcome to Market Impact Insights.
1: Dan, thank you so much for having me. I couldn't be more thrilled to be here.
0: So I mentioned before that you really had a career focus in regulatory compliance and just fascinating, you know, to go back and and look at what really inspired you to go down that path. What was your passion driver there? And is there anything that you've taken from that experience that has really made a difference for you as you've moved more into the role of entrepreneurial leader?
1: So great question. There was actually a moment. uh, I was a paralegal at a large law firm in New York City where I grew up. And I was about to head off to law school. And I was working on a deal. I was working on an M&A deal. And the CEO of one of the companies in that deal said, Megan, you're going to law school. My lawyer is the person who tells me no. And I thought, well, that stinks. Um, (laughs) You mean... (laughs) You're paying a lot of money to be told no. And so I went off to law school and I did the law degree and the MBA thinking I wanted to be a, a person who had a law degree but knew the business implications of the regulation. Little did I know in 2006, uh, I was in law school and graduate school. I did the law degree and the MBA between 6 and 10. And we all know what happened in the global economy and the world markets yeah. in ten. They crumbled. And you can look to people who are way smarter than me about why that is. However... What I was really drawn to was the integrity of the markets. And for individual investors, what is that integrity? What is the importance of doing the right thing? And so I decided to take the compliance track because I thought, well, at corporations and financial institutions, you need to have those people who are helping the business do the right thing, but also fostering business success. So, I was drawn, I learned about this whole field of compliance and um, was literally in graduate school as the world was experiencing the global financial crisis. I, I had a securities law professor who was going down to Washington all the time. And so, I think for me, that's how I was drawn to compliance. First, uh, I had a client tell me not to just become a, a straight up attorney because I would tell everyone no. And I don't
0: think that's uh-huh. what,
1: what you should do to build relationships. Um, and so, I've always been drawn to that. And so, by taking the compliance path, I've always been able to understand the governance and regulatory and integrity pieces, data, security, and privacy, things we can talk about with our app, which are very important to me, um, but also understanding the business implications of that and the business success. And, and that, of course, feeds in now. I am an entrepreneur of a startup that is fundraising. Investors are investing their capital in keep with. And that's very important. Every single dollar that an investor invests in us, um, I take that very, very seriously. And so as we are building our company and we're making decisions and we're putting into place very strong and sound governance, and and we'll talk a lot, I hope, about data and privacy and what's going on in in networking now, um, I'm thankful for the compliance underpinnings of my background.
0: Yeah, there's a discipline and an integrity, right? It sounds like that you've, you've been able to bring into your current role.
1: And that, that also feeds into how we build relationships. So if you tell somebody in your life that you're going to do something, you know, having the integrity to follow through and having that level of governance about your own personal networks and, and that um, really believing in doing the right thing and keeping those relationships sound and safe, I, I think it's, it's interesting to think about how that feeds into the approach of, of actual building relationships.
0: That's so true. And and now that you've transitioned into this role as a founder of a company uh, developing this app, Keep With, what are some of the biggest challenges you faced? And, you know, you were talking about the financial crisis uh, back, what, now 15 or 13, 15 years ago. And now we've got this unexpected disruption the past 18 months with the global pandemic. I'm curious, what uh, big challenges have you faced and how have you maybe had to adapt Your leadership approach, given the macro environment that's just been so crazy here recently.
1: So, you know, what's interesting is I started Keep With in 2017 because I felt like we were all isolated. Uh, At the time, I thought it was because we were on our devices. I remember being at the playground with my daughter and seeing a little kid tugging on her mom's jacket saying, mom, 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 mom. And the mom was on her phone and it drove me bananas. (laughs) Um, And so I started thinking about how isolated we were on our devices. And that's why I started Keep With because I felt as though we had lost the art of of building relationships with one another. Obviously, uh, when the pandemic hit, we truly were isolated. Um, And so what I'm thankful for is that our company teaches people how to build strong relationships. And we've never needed that more than now. Um, A great thing, though, yes, it's been a challenge, but it's been so creative, Dan. I mean... Members of my Peloton team will watch, during the pandemic, we've watched a movie on Saturday night and messaged each other the whole time, right? Um, yeah. I don't think I would have ever done that before the pandemic. Um, or, you know, we, we've had these Zoom rides or, you know, so it's, it's forced us to be creative, but it's also allowed us to have global reach. We have helped people to think that, think more broadly about how they are networking through technology. So the irony is that it's now technology that has been keeping us together. Um, And I know now how isolated we truly are. The problems become way worse. And so as a founder, you always want to solve an actual problem in the world. You don't want to create a problem and then go build the solution. And so networking is hard. That's the problem that we're solving. And it got way harder about 19 or 20 months ago. And so we're thrilled and humbled to be able to help people network better.
0: Yeah, that's so true. The power of connection has never been more important when we're all going through similar stresses and uh, just the unknowns, right? And just uh, each day kind of brings with it kind of a whole new uh, set of uh, information. We're overloaded with the media, and yet there's this then drawing power of wanting to connect with other humans, right? And it's all back to this idea of building authentic networks and relationships.
1: Absolutely. And, and I think it's also how we do it. So I have one good friend from college. And during the pandemic, we started texting each other three things for which we're grateful every day. And the routine of that, of just, okay, it's, it's the morning time I'm making my coffee, I have to text Kate. Um, but also the substance of it, that it was gratitude. Uh, and that we were saying, you know what, the world is in a really interesting space right now. But we are going to find three things, whether it's coffee, coffee, coffee. Which there have definitely been mornings where those have been. That has been my three things. Uh, yep. <laughs> um, but so I think it's we're also seeing how people engage, and it could be just a small micro step, a small gesture, a, a text, sending a friend coffee while they're working from home, whatever the case may be.
0: Now, in business, we've known for years that there's value in establishing and building these networks, right? Meeting new people, right? Connecting maybe different uh, functional backgrounds and uh, within companies or cross companies. And as you mentioned earlier, networking is not easy. It's actually really hard. and And people can struggle as they try to build those networks. So what makes it so hard? And are there some common mistakes that you see people make when they try to approach building their networks that uh, we all should be thinking about? and we can do better with.
1: Absolutely. So I think one of the things that makes it so hard is that we live at a time where the number of people you know, how many followers, how many likes, how many links do you have, that that sort of defines us in terms of impact. And so I think it's that numbers approach that can sometimes be a roadblock. Um, Whereas if we're truly talking about building and maintaining meaningful and authentic relationships, you know, Going deeper and paying more attention to fewer relationships and really cultivating them is, is um, I, I think, a, a better move. In terms of pitfalls, one of the things that we see, especially now uh, with the pandemic, is people not making the time to nurture their relationships. Right? I'm too busy. I'm on Zoom calls all day. I can't call a friend and go for a walk. You know, I, I'm too busy. I'm too busy, that, that whole busy trap. So one of the ways that, that pitfalls that people encounter... Is that they are not making enough time to network. Um, another is people sometimes expect a very transactional result. So you and I meet, I ask you for this thing, this thing happens, and, and it becomes very transactional. But that's not how mil- that's not how meaningful and authentic relationships are built. It's really about nurturing them over time. Having the reciprocal piece is critical. So another way that people tend to encounter a pitfall, another pitfall that they encounter, excuse me, is the fact that they are really focused on that, that end game, that transaction. Uh, So that's something else that they do. Uh, Another thing is a lot of people have said we're in the pandemic and I I just can't, I, I can't network in a pandemic and using the pandemic as an excuse. And what I would say to that is that we have this great opportunity. So right now, I'm talking to you from my kitchen. I can even say in a sweatshirt and jeans, which is way more fun than a suit. And people have been giving access to themselves in really different ways. You can now broaden the geographic reach. You can catch people when they are way, I'm way more authentic sitting in my kitchen without makeup on, (laughs) you know, than I would be in a conference room in an office building somewhere. Um, So I think, you know, a lot of people have been saying, it's the pandemic, I can't network. And um, we, you know, when you're saying that you don't have time to network what you're truly saying is you don't have time to build relationships and and you and i both know that that's just silly
0: yeah you know we're going through this evolution too in terms of businesses having to make decisions around policies around their workforce are they going to remain virtual are they going to we hear the term hybrid right are we returning pre pandemic where we expect people in the office all the time it, it is an interesting dynamic around the value of in-person communication and connection. And then this idea of, can you also be authentic? It may not be in person, but it may just be the environment that you're in, that you're engaging in that uh, communication relationship may in fact bring some authenticity too. So it's an interesting dynamic, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. And it's personal. So um, one of the things that I enjoy the most about what we do is that certain aspects or tactics or elements of our content resonate for certain people. Um, Some people still love standing in a ballroom with a bunch of people with a drink in their hand. And the good news is that that's coming back. Some people are super excited that they're just going to go for a walk with a friend. I go for a a walk with a friend on Tuesdays every week, and it's more that one-on-one interaction. Um, And so I, I think what is really important to remember is that networking at its essence is building relationships. There are so many ways that we can do that. Um, As people are going back into the workforce, I, I think there's just a lot of opportunity to help employees to build strong relationships with each other. And that's really exciting.
0: It definitely is. And I also have seen you speak recently about how effective networking is all about the company you keep. Can you explain a little bit more about that?
1: Absolutely. Another pitfall, uh, which didn't occur to me when we were talking to those, is that sometimes people are not very discerning about who they let into their networks, and that could be a numbers game. It could just be blindly connecting to people on platforms. But um, who you surround your, the people with whom you surround yourself, are a reflection of you, right? So who your friends are, who your colleagues are, who your clients are, and those, and the nature and strength of your relationships with those people, and so. Building that network methodically and strategically and having the right people around you is incredibly important. I'll tell you that, that keep with is experiencing some unexpected, unprecedented, very strong growth right now. Really exciting time. I knew, though, that we were moving very quickly and that I had to surround myself with some expertise that I personally didn't have. And so I literally reached out to people who are close to me and said, hey, I need someone with this expertise. Hey, I need someone with this expertise. And I've now surrounded myself with this Ocean's Eleven style group of people who are advising me as my company continues to grow, right? That is the company I needed to keep rather quickly. Mm -hmm. I had to get it right. Um, And so the people, what we say when we talk about the name Keep With, it it is that you are the company that you keep. That's actually how we came up with our name. Uh, And it's very important who you let into your network. We often liken a network to your home, who you let in. And it's important that you recognize those relationships and that that you pay the focus to them. And if if a relationship is not meeting your expectations, or you don't think it is a healthy one, or you, you accidentally let someone in who, you know, it's just, you have a weird feeling about it, whatever the case may be, it's important that you be discerning about who you let into your network and who you keep there.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and I, I've heard the term "personal brand" uh, so many times. You know, what is my personal brand? And so the, it's the relationships those around you that are going to influence perception. I think of what your personal brand is.
1: Absolutely, Dan, you're spot on.
0: Yeah. Now, we talked a little bit earlier about uh, the reality now of the way people work. It's just very different. You're going to be able to work from your kitchen, from your den home office, whatever, or uh, or on the road, uh, really out there in a mobile type of setting. It's just happening more and more. We're in virtual settings versus all being in a traditional office environment. And so when you think about effectively building those relationships, Megan, that you were talking about earlier, given that we're going to be in this mode, can you share a little bit more about your thoughts on really what that opportunity is to still get some breakthrough there, even though we're going to be in this virtual mode? I think as more of the new normal going forward?
1: So I think this has been a really positive development. Um, I think for years, people who have needed flexibility in the workplace, it's it's been really hard to get. And so now we find ourselves with, in, in many ways, the ultimate flexibility. Uh, what's important is that we are disciplined about what really matters most to us, whether it be our wellness routines, whether it be uh, staying hydrated or you know, getting your workouts in or whatever the case may be. And it's equally important, if not more so, that we be disciplined and methodical and strategic about our relationship building. So one thing people can do is schedule a time on their calendars as a recurring meeting invite for deliberate networking time whether it be 30 minutes or 60 minutes every week at a certain time, schedule deliberate networking time. And so regardless of where you're working, take that time to sit and say, okay, who should I be having coffee with? Zoom coffee, regular coffee. What thank you notes do I need to write? What are my homework assignments from the last networking conversation I had? So by having that weekly recurring invite and setting aside time every week to work on your relationships, regardless of where you're working, you know that you'll be maintaining that habit.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you spoke a little bit about wellness. And obviously, there is so much attention now that people are thinking more about their own personal health and wellness. They're making decisions. We hear about the great resignation, right? That's come up the last uh, few months in terms of people uh, leaving what seem to be great jobs, uh, but they realize that there's something better. They need to do self-exploration. So there's this focus on self from a health and wellness perspective, how do you see a network strategy and and what you are building with keep with, how does that fit into all of that?
1: So personally, as a leader and just a human in the world, wellness is is a core value of mine. Um, But we know from a networking perspective, from a relationship building perspective, that having a strong network that has your back supports your overall wellness. So when you have somebody that you can call on a Friday night When something good or something bad happens, or you have a couple people, so you can get a couple different opinions, that favorably supports your wellness. The routine of going for a walk on a Tuesday with a good friend—that that that, you know connection with her and having that time each week—I'm getting the physical benefits of walking, sure, but I'm also reducing my anxiety. I have the comfort level of knowing that I that I have my people right? Um, And so there are very strong connections between networking and wellness. We've taken it a couple steps further at Keep With. um, And we have done events where we will teach a networking lesson and we will go to a boutique fitness studio and do a workout together. And then I'll network afterwards drinking, you know, bottled water and eating fruit instead of, you know, unhealthy snacks. Um, There are huge connections between networking and wellness. And one of the things that we hope when we develop our app, which, excuse me, when we release our app in April, is that people will start to view networking as a healthy habit. And that by spending time each week on their most important relationships, really building and maintaining meaningful relationships, that they will recognize the positive wellness benefits of what having a strong network can do for you.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It just uh, supports kind of an overall lifestyle commitment around uh, your your body, uh, your physical health, uh, and then your mental wellness. I mean, it all comes together. And I wanted to circle back, Megan, um, probably drawing from your compliance experience, but when we think about you know continuously making new connections, quality connections, of course, privacy and security, it, it's top of mind, right? And, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you see that coming into play. What do we need to be thinking about uh, in terms of uh, you know, being safe when we're going out and continuing to build these relationships?
1: Great question. So one of the things we talk about is think of your network as your house and who you would let into your house. You wouldn't just walk out into the street and start letting people into your house, right? And, and there will be certain aspects within the technology that we're building. For example, double opt-in. So Dan, uh, you and I were recently introduced by someone trusted in both of our networks, but I will never introduce you to someone without saying, hey, Dan, I'd really like to introduce you to so-and-so. Are you open to that introduction? And then going to the other person and saying, hey, other person, I'd really like to introduce you to Dan. Are you open? That double opt-in is a critical way to protect people's privacy, to ensure that you are networking and building relationships in a great way. Um, And so I think think of your network as your house. That's one thing. Always engage in double opt-in before making an introduction. Um, if you just fling people and say, hey, go meet so-and-so, you never know where someone is right now, especially with the pandemic. They could have a sick parent. They could be under the weather themselves. More technically speaking, from a compliance perspective, as we are building KeepUs technology, data and privacy and security are at the top of my list. And the reason why is because we're seeing headlines where data is compromised, or where it's being used in the wrong way. And to me, that's like someone coming into your house and putting graffiti on the walls, right? That's the to take the house analogy one step further. And so what our app is going to do is it really focuses on who you know, and who you want to meet, and what your networking goals are. And who you really know, that's the question. If you have a hundred thousand connections on a platform, you can't know a hundred thousand people. <laughs> and so, you know, in terms of staying safe, I, I think it's really important to think about who you really know and and to work hard to build those relationships.
0: And Megan, when you talk about who you know, how are you defining this this sense of knowing someone? Like, what is the threshold? that we should be thinking about to say, okay, there is a genuine knowing of someone else, right? Rather than just being a connection.
1: I love that question. And I'm sure you love when podcast guests say, it depends. Um, so I'll, I'll, I won't will go down
0: that, <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> but um, it, it's very personal. Um, so I was speaking with somebody recently and he has tens of thousands of connections on a social media platform and that's his thing. And he he's fine with that. And, and he connects to those people those ways. Um, One of the things, networking is the building and maintaining of meaningful relationships. And so how I do that is different from how you do that. It's different from how my six-year-old daughter does it. Um, And so it is personal. But I think if we each just asked ourselves... To think about our networks and who we actually know, I, I think you'd have a gut of, if you went down your list on a social media platform and said, do I know this person? Do I even remember this person? I think that's where some of the risk comes into play. And so we're hoping that on our platform, that won't be the case.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And so going back now, you've got such diverse business experience, Megan. I'm curious, what's the best advice you've ever received around effective leadership?
1: This may sound colloquial, but you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Um, and I think that it's so important to listen. It's important to listen before you respond. It's important It's important to listen and to hear what somebody says before you say something back. Um, I was in a discussion yesterday and I shared a concern, uh, uh, you know, just an interesting concern. And immediately somebody was there to say something. I hadn't even finished the last word and the other person kind of knew what they wanted to say. And I, I, it's important to listen. And I think that that is a skill. It's almost like a muscle. It's a skill that we can always work on. And when I think about networking and being a kid reporter, I think about the fact that as a reporter, you learn to care about the world around you and to ask open ended questions. So as you're listening and as you're hearing as a leader, Um, rather than responding, coming up with a solution, I think asking questions and listening really, really well are exceptionally important.
0: Yeah. I've been in so many organizations, uh, where, uh, there was a need to commit, uh, in building out a strategy. Maybe it's investing in developing products, making choices from a segmentation standpoint. And at the end of the day, um, it always seemed to come down to the quality decisions were those that had either validation or were well-informed by client voice, right? Customer voice. And to really get that, you've got to know how to ask the right questions, but more importantly, step back and listen, right? And and really take in that and take to heart uh, what you're actually, and really hearing, right? Not just gathering, but hearing what uh, those voices are saying. So that really resonates with me, Megan.
1: You know, it's, it's interesting. It also impacts how we build relationships with others, right? And so sometimes when we're having a conversation, someone will have something going on that's a big challenge. We actually all have had lots of big challenges with the pandemic and it can be helpful to say, do you want me to just hear you? Do you want me to respond? do you need me to be mad? You know, um, but, but that active listening is, is really important in the personal and professional relationships that we build.
0: Now, we've been through a lot of challenges. You've been through the, those ups and downs throughout your career that we've talked about a little bit earlier. But despite that, despite the bumps in the road, when you look ahead, what makes you optimistic about the future?
1: I am really excited about the future, Dan. I think it has been an absolute privilege to be in the entrepreneurial ecosystem in the United States right now, in the world, I should say. Um, you and I have connected through The Battery, a Silicon Valley accelerator with a Berkeley twist. Um, and it has just been such a wonderful experience to be surrounded by such expertise, other founders, uh, investments, investors, advisors. So exciting to be an entrepreneur right now. And to be surrounded by founders who are solving important problems is amazing. It's humbling. I am grateful for it. You know, As I think of a problem, I think, oh, there's probably a startup that's working to solve that right now. And if there isn't, then there should be. Um, and so what makes me optimistic is just how many startups there are out there that are building solutions to important problems. You talked about the great resignation, and I feel like a lot of people are walking away from more traditional roles and are saying, you know what, I've always wanted to solve X. That's exciting to me. Um, I also think what really excites me is what keep with this building. Um, we are building a solution that is going to help people connect better We need that now <laughs> we're all very uh-huh. isolated so it's that's what gives me optimism that and and uh, I've referred to my six-year-old daughter she is really really funny uh, and so that just gives me a ton of optimism because it's it's so much fun to be around her
0: energy almost oh, definitely and when you were talking about being inspired or drawing from the expertise of others right through the battery or through other, uh, groups, uh, people that can really work together and inspire and motivate each other. It is true. And I've talked to a lot of very successful entrepreneurs on this podcast. And at the end of the day, yes, it's their vision. It's their drive that's really the power behind their success. But they're not doing it alone. I mean, typically, they're, they're part of that story is where they were either mentored or they were inspired or they relied on the talent of the people around them. So it, it it's really just not a solo journey, is it? even as an entrepreneur, it's it's really, uh, again, the company you keep, right? And having a quality group of people uh, around you.
1: you. You couldn't have said it better. And it, it's why we do what we do. I mean, your network can help you to meet somebody that you want to meet. Your network can help you to figure out a solution to a problem. Your network can help to connect you to someone wonderful just because Uh, the world will be better if that happens. I recently connected two rock stars in my network and I got double opt-in and I just said, you both live in Denver and the world will be better if you meet. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So uh, absolutely, we, we are way better with having people around us.
0: Oh yeah, we definitely need more of that. So as we start wrapping up our conversation, Megan, do you have any other final suggestions for business leaders that are looking to benefit from developing those authentic, healthy relationships uh, as they're trying to meet their goals or achieving even long-term competitive advantage?
1: So I would suggest that everybody really start to think strategically about their relationship building. What are the goals that you are looking to accomplish through the relationships that you're developing? Um, Having a bunch of first coffee meetings uh, without any substance or without support of a goal is, is a bit abstract and a bit haphazard. So having networking goals and having a strategy. As a leader, I think it is very important to encourage a culture of networking, a culture of relationship building in your organization. And that will help when it turns to having hybrid solutions. If I'm a Monday-Wednesday person and you're a Tuesday-Thursday person, we should feel empowered to network with each other. Um, So encouraging that culture of compliance. I think it's important also to remember that relationships are reciprocal. Mentorship is reciprocal. And so encouraging the authentic and reciprocal nature of relationship building is really important. Um, there are five, you know, we encourage people to think about the quality of relationships over the quantity of their connections and and taking micro steps to, to make small gestures. But I think overall, encouraging a culture of relationship building at your organization will make your organization even
0: stronger. So Megan, how do people find out more about you and about Keep With?
1: Absolutely. So people can find us at our website at www.keepwith.com or they can contact me at megan at keepwith.com.
0: Well, Megan, thanks again for joining and sharing your perspective as a entrepreneur and as someone who is deeply committed to forming authentic, healthy, long-lasting relationships.
1: Dan, thank you so much for the opportunity. This has been great.
0: And a reminder to all of you, please continue to give us the gift of feedback on this podcast. You can easily do that on all of the podcast platforms. Let us know what you think. Uh, We really appreciate that. And as always, make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.